Well, hello out there, planet Earth, and happy Friday. The weekend is here. It's actually my birthday. Uh, it's Friday, and it's always Friday with me, Stephen Fry, your SMB guy. I-C-Y-M-I, or in case you missed it, SMB stands for Small and Medium-Sized Business. For the last 20 years, I've been a consultant for SMBs, a voice and a sounding board for business leaders, as well as their trusted advisors, advocating on their behalf, as well as employees. I believe strongly in sharing stories, providing perspective, and most important, creating connection. So every single Friday, you can find me right here on talkradio.myc, doing just that, lending what is left of my mind and my voice to this live radio show where I interview SMB leaders as well as their trusted advisors. One thing that I've noticed over the years is that some of the best thought leadership for SMBs actually happens on Friday, right about that time where we feel the freedom of the weekend coming. However, we're also anxious to get the weekend started. It's my birthday weekend, so you know I'm anxious to get the weekend started. These crucial pearls of wisdom, they're often overlooked, they're forgotten in favor of our fun activities and our freedom from our work. On Always Friday, we take advantage of that weekend freedom and clarity. We discuss popular topics that are on the minds of business leaders and their advisors. The name of the show is not just a play on words. My last name means free in German, so nice little tidbit for you guys, method behind the madness. Today's episode of Always Friday brought to you by SDA Wealth Strategies, a boutique financial services firm located in the Hudson Valley, New York, offering personal wealth management and comprehensive business solutions for its clients. SDA stands for Simplifying Financial Lives designing financial strategies, and advocating to implement them. SDA offers a concierge experience for individuals and businesses. The firm's highest priority, always their client's best interest, while empowering people and businesses to be consciously proactive and to thrive today, tomorrow, and beyond. To learn more, visit sdawealthstrategies.com. As Prince Akeem from Coming to America would say, yes, it is my birthday. Today is number 42. I'm in a good mood. The Yankees had a walk-off win last night, and while we're on baseball for just a moment, I keep thinking of this as my Mariano Rivera or Jackie Robinson type of birthday. That said, multiple times this week, people reminded me of The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy by Douglas Adams. Allegedly, 42 is the number from which all meaning, the meaning of life, universe, and everything could be derived. I'll let you guys know if I'm any closer to the meaning of life after my birthday here today. But today we're going to hear from a very special guest, a different author, about the journey into the song. Many business employers and employees, they had to make the best experience out of a bad situation as a result of the pandemic. In the words of Paul McCartney, people had to take a sad song and make it better. Today we're going to hear from an author and journalist not only about his passion for music, expressed in his most recent book, but also what he did when the pandemic hit and the journey of getting published and the power of building his community. Talk is cheap. We know that. We're on talkradio.myc. We don't want this to just be talk. The goal here is let's use the insight we get on the business landscape and create more impact on Monday morning. It's far too often where SMBs are focused on the product that's going to solve all of their problems. The shiny new mousetrap, the magic wand, one consistent thing I see out there, products change every single day in everything that we do. It doesn't matter business or personal. There's no substitute for surrounding yourself with the right people first and keeping a focus on the process that will help you achieve your goals. You do that, the right products will be there when you need them. Everything begins and ends with people and relationships. So in the spirit of surrounding yourself with the right people, I'm very excited to have this discussion here today. We are going to be talking with... James Campion, founder of Vinceri Media and author of the new book, Take a Sad Song, The Emotional Currency of Hey Jude. James has worked in all forms of media from journalism, radio, and television since 1982. He has hosted or co-hosted multiple television and radio shows, was executive producer for some of them as well. He's the managing editor of the Reality Check News and Information Desk, which produces weekly syndicated columns covering politics, society at large, entertainment, and sports. In 2002, James launched Vinceri Media as a complete media production facility, offering a wide range of development and creative production options for corporations, SMBs, and even personal projects. Using state-of-the-art high-def video production for advertising, training, and marketing for the web, television, and radio, James and his team are proficient in script writing, storyboards, pre-production, and all post-production duties, editing, after effects, music production, 
and voiceovers. James is the author of eight published books that dive deeply into the origins, recording, visual presentation, impact, and eventual influence of various songs and songwriters. He has published books on the likes of Warren Zevon, Kiss, and amplifies personal and professional attainments felt by people through the power of song. Earlier this month, James released his latest book, again, Take a Sad Song, The Emotional Currency of Hey Jude, diving deep into the song's origins as he does. His journey into the song includes the insights of experts in the field of musicology, sociology, philosophy, psychology, and history. It's a tribute to how a song can define, inspire, and affect us in ways we don't always fully comprehend, as well as a celebration of truly amazing track in the Beatles catalog. It reveals one band's genius and underscores its lasting voice in our cultural and musical landscape. God, I love music lovers. James is the absolute best person to chat with about how expressive a song can be. As always, we'll discuss my favorite questions. Who's your favorite movie or TV show character? What's your favorite movie or TV show? What's your favorite musical instrument? Who's the artist you'd like to hear play it? Here he is, live from New Jersey, to help me celebrate my birthday with all of you. James, welcome to Always Friday, brother. Great to see you here. Happy birthday, Steve, and thank you so much. That was some introduction. I feel like just retiring now and going to some island in the Caribbean. Thanks. <laughs> I appreciate that. I'll uh, take a quick breath here, but you yes. you found you found so much deep meaning in music through all the work that you do, and uh, I'm so happy to have you here on my Meaning of Life and Universe birthday here today. Yes. But... Nice job. I like that. Uh, Douglas Adams uh, reference right off the bat. Very nice. Yeah. Drop, drop it like it's hot real quick, but let's hear about your journey, man. Tell us about how you got where you are today. Oh, wow. Uh, I, you know, lots of support from people. Uh, and I did want to send a shout out to, to one of your sponsors and, I, and, and a mutual friend of ours, Scott Coopersmith, who, you know, is a great supporter of my work and always has been. And uh, I, don't, I don't say that lightly. I've gotten such great support. My, my mentor and my hero, my dad, who passed away in 2019, uh, that's where Vinceri comes from, James Vincent Campion and Phyllis Mary Campion, my mom and my dad, who are great uh, influences on uh, on me. And not only because of what they did for me, which naturally what parents do for you, but because they were such free thinkers in the way we were always allowed, my brother and I, Philip, John and I, were always allowed to have things come through our transom and and use it to influence us. We were never told we can't watch all in the family. We can't listen to George Carlin. We can't listen to certain kinds of music. We can So all these people who made me what I am today, my parents were able to help facilitate and never kept me from doing it. Sure, they were disciplinarians and all that stuff, but I give them a lot of credit. And then all the people I've met through the, through the years, great professors I had in college and teachers when I was a kid, people who told me, Mrs. Williams, my journalism teacher, who told me just keep writing, keep working, you know, that you have to put efforts in Discipline is the most important thing in any effort that you put in. Sure, it's art, but it's a craft. I never say I'm an artist. I'm a craftsman uh, when it comes to writing. And when it comes to making videos, and, and uh, it takes a group of people. And I'm very lucky to, to have such talented people. The gentleman who designed my cover, Roberto Tatis, is a, a wonderful colleague of mine and uh, like a brother. And so, uh, again, very, very lucky to, to have met all these people and facilitated these things. I, I'm almost a lifelong uh, freelancer. And in that sense, there's no way you do that alone. You constantly have to have contact. You constantly have to trust other people and hope they come through for you. And more times than not, for me, those people did. And, and, and always surround people, surround yourself with people who challenge you. Don't surround yes people or people who are not as good as you, always better than you. You know, my niece, Sydney Lee Carlson, is a wonderful singer songwriter. I taught her how to play chords when she was 11 and 12. She's way better than me now, and I'm, and I'm so happy to see that. You always want the people around you to be better, make you better. So I know it's not what you directly asked me, Steve, but I think I can't go on without mentioning all the support and the amazing influences I've gotten throughout my life. I'm very lucky that way. And I was so happy to hear you drop the George Carlin reference there real quick. I'm getting my daughter ready to go to sleepaway camp for the first time. She's leaving on Sunday next weekend, and uh, – that's where I remember listening to George Carlin for the first time. And, oh, my God, forever changed my existence, blew my mind. Just yeah, in almost any situation, like that's my go-to philosophy is what would George Carlin say about this? <laughs> and, you know, there, there, is, there is so many 
parents that we have in the world. Uh, so many people who do set us on our paths and, and give us moral structure and, and design and, and question uh, things that everybody kind of accepts at, or you know, keep intellectual curiosity at the front uh, of the way we conduct our lives. So yeah, I mean, George was right up there with me. I'm a huge fan of Lenny Bruce and his work. Uh, and even, even when I put into this book, Steve, Take a Sad Song, is what artists, musical artists can do for you to, to continue. And, I, and that's why I use the, 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 the phrase emotional currency. Uh, what we're talking about here is intellectual currency. We're talking about the influences that show us the best way to be the best people we can be, the best writer you can be, the best videographer you can be, the best friend you can be, the best parent you can be. And so uh, I lend a lot of that to, to, to people that I've never met. Yeah, and and you know what? It's it, you, you were you were saying, and not, not sure it's exactly what you asked, but in some ways it's exactly what I asked because you know being a freelancer for most of your life, a lot of people you know, and, and you know, making the distinction between an artist and a craftsman, it, it is something where you still need to surround yourself with the right people. That's how you, you make you can make yourself really successful and scalable as a freelancer. Yeah, and as a writer, I always say this, and I have this argument with my wife Erin, who's a wonderful artist in her own right. Uh, she's, you know, we have this argument about what is, is art just something you make and you could put it in the basement and it's art? Or is that creation? I feel like art is a two-way street. And anytime you're working with editors, they tell you, oh, this paragraph's not quite there, or you should make this sentence clearer so your reader gets what you're saying. Is this what you're trying to say? So I always write to be read. And I feel that art, whether it's painting, poetry, writing, if you want to call it an art, uh, or anything in life, is the audience getting what you're putting out, whether you're trying to scare them, whether you're trying to seduce them, whether you're trying to give them joy or whatever. And I feel that studying Paul McCartney as an artist and as a craftsman and as a wonderful songwriter, the Beatles as a thing, and also how song affects us really does tell that story to me beyond just loving music. It's what these things can do to move us along in life. Yeah, you know, it's it's just amazing when you hear you know Beatles, Paul McCartney, some of the first thoughts that you have, and you know me uh, being forty two today, like my my father, big Beatles fan, instilled it in me pretty early. But a guitar player, and anytime it's brought up, I I just think about him playing the guitar at night before we would go to bed, and you know a lot of times it would it would be Beatles tunes. So I I can't wait to to unfold the rest of this conversation with you, my brother. We are going to take a quick break, but we will be right back with James Campion, the author of Take a Sad Song, The Emotional Currency of Hey Jude. Stay with us. Are you a business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy, and I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. Are you on edge? Hey, we live in challenging, edgy times, so let's lean in. I'm Sandra Bargeman, the host of The Edge of Every Day, which airs each Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. Tune in live with me and my friends and colleagues as we share stories and perspectives about pushing boundaries and exploring our rough edges. That's The Edge of Every Day on Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower.
Welcome back, everybody. It's Friday. It's always Friday. It's my birthday. Me, Stephen Fry, the SMB guy. We are chatting with James Campion, founder of Vinceri Media and author of the new book, Take a Sad Song, The Emotional Currency of Hey Jude, amongst some other stories that we're going to talk about here today. Before we get into the method behind James's madness, just allow me to sit out here by my fire pit for a moment and just give a quick perspective. This is this is so much fun for me because it's like a waterfall of sharing stories. I love music that tells a story, stories that bring us all together. We referenced George Carlin in the last segment. You know, those little universal moments that we all kind of share separately, always a big deal. But big story from last night, especially if you're a Jersey boy and somewhat related to our discussion today. Paul McCartney played MetLife Stadium last night and was joined by Bruce Springsteen for a few songs. And then John Bon Jovi came out for the encore to lead the crowd in a happy birthday for Paul as it is his 80th birthday tomorrow. So James's work dives really deep into all of these types of stories. There's a, there's a quick blurb from the book. I want, you know, you guys got to go out and get the book. It's awesome. But the, there's a quick blurb that talks about seven notes comprising a single musical phrase. Everyone knows it. Consider that for just a moment. Everyone all over the planet. Anthemic, a mantra. For over half a century, it's been a communal celebration of song with no language barrier. Infectious, commanding, unforgettable in its simplicity. And of course, we're talking about na, 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 na. Just, just amazing. Something that everybody can identify with. From publishing books to writing for the Aquarian Weekly for the past 25 years, you know, your work, again, diving real deep into the meanings behind all of this. And you're still writing for the, for the Aquarian Weekly, a, a publication that's been around since 1969, really catering to the music community. And now there are folks writing stories about you writing about stories. So it's amazing to see something like that happen. How does that make you feel? You do have to unmute, though. Study show, I can't hear you if you're on mute. Uh, it makes me feel great. Thank you very much, Steve. Uh, of course, um, the Aquarian's been a great friend. Another example of support. Uh, there wasn't a time, you know, we're in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. We're in the archives of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And, and the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame has actually uh, invited me to speak in, uh, in October. Um, and it's weird because... Uh, my writing about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame has not been kind uh, <laughs> over the years. So, but I still take that as a great uh, uh, a compliment. But yeah, the Aquarian has been a great home for my my work. They have never denied anything I've written in any subject. Uh, they introduced me to dozens and dozens of very talented musicians and songwriters and producers and everything music business over the years. And um, uh, I, you know, I, that that's a that's a hill I will die on any time. And they are great support. And Deborah Kate Schaefer, who is my newest managing editor. She's young. She's talented. She wrote this wonderful piece about my book. She came here to my home to interview me for a video series that we're sort of the publishers sort of putting out. And uh, what a smart kid. And it's so great to see a new generation of people loving the Beatles and understanding how important song is, not just Hey Jude, but any song and music is in our lives. So yeah, that's a long way of saying, Steve, it feels really good. <laughs> and and even if you're not kind sometimes, that's why your column's called Reality Check, right? Yes, exactly. <laughs> Indeed. Yeah, and the one you showed there, I just, uh, yesterday, what a week, right? Yesterday was the 50th anniversary on the 16th of Ziggy Stardust and the and the Spiders from Mars. And uh, a good friend of mine and great writer for Uproxx Magazine, who's written several wonderful books about music, Stephen Hyden, uh, had a quote in one of his books, and it really stuck with me about how much that record is not just a record about uh, all the things that rock and roll is great about, like alienation and, uh, and weirdness and being outside and trying to you know, find your tribe, but it's about being young and that's okay. It's okay to go through these things. And I thought, you know, I really should touch upon that and take a different angle. That's what I try to do with radio, uh, reality check. I don't really try to write about uh, a specific moment in history or current events whether whatever it might be, without kind of coming in from the side, and, and and I get that from George Carlin and Mark Twain, and I and I get that from David Bowie, and and, and in many ways Paul McCartney. Look at something, and put your spin on it, and maybe someone will get something different out of it. And that's how I've always approached anything I've I've done, anything. 
Yeah, it's it's not really what you say, it's how you say it. But it's since this is the me- the method part of our show where we talk about the science behind what you do, sure. you know what 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 you do and how you do it has has been related to the idea of gonzo journalism. That style of journalism where the author's the protagonist, like experiencing and reporting on the story from the first-hand point of view, where they they really become part of the story and relating it through their experience. And you know, we talked a little bit about how you feel there's only one real gonzo journalist out there and uh, I, I love uh, Hunter Thompson as well, and Fear and Loathing Las Vegas is something that's o- always hit home with me. But it's th- you know being looked at this way, like this is you know what what's do you feel like this is an accurate representation of your type of spin on things? Uh, not particularly, only because I'm going to be really uh, you know geeky about this and say yes, sure. Hunter S. Thompson is the only concert journalist. I do think no, there's no question about it. He's he's one of the most influential writers. Uh, for me. And I was lucky enough to meet and talk writing with Hunter a few times before his death in 2005. And I uh, actually spent my, fi- speaking of birthdays, I spent my 50th birthday at Owl Creek. And I met a lot of the people within the Gonzo Society. And they're all great friends still to this day. And it's a very tight knit group. And, and uh, we still carry on that torch. But again, there's only one guy who could do it. And that was Hunter. And he took it with him. But I think I- I'm going to, I'm going to try to tie it to the book uh, yes. for you. One of the things I discussed, and it was a real battle, and I had the best copy editors on, on Take a Sad Song, but one of the things that was the big battle, and, and it's totally understood, is that some of the chapters, if you read the book, I wrote in the first person. And I also wrote it in, in, um, in, the, uh, in the present tense as opposed to the past tense. And mm-hmm. I was bouncing back and forth. And the reason why I wanted to do that is I wanted to take people into Paul McCartney sitting in his, in, in his apartment there in London and writing this song. I wanted to put them on that journey when he goes out to comfort uh, young Julian, his, his songwriter and best friend, John Lennon's son, when John's leaving his family for Yoko Ono. I wanted to put you in the studio with, in the real time with the Beatles. I wanted to get you into 1968 and all the troubles and all the strife and the assassinations and war that this song came out of and comforted a great amount of people. And so it was this battle of, okay, is this what we do grammatically? And Hunter always told me, and he always did it in his work, forget that stuff, make the reader feel something. And that's the the greatest gift that Hunter ever gave me, whether it was telling me this or writing it through his work. And um, I think a little scintilla, I mean, there was a point, Steve, or I just tried to be Hunter. I think we've all been there, <laughs> uh, you know, because Paul McCartney tried to be little Richard and Elvis Presley, and then he finally found the voice of Paul McCartney, and, uh, and thank goodness for that. So, yes, eventually you steal from the best, and then you let those people go, and then you move on. You know, there was a great quote, if I may, talk about method, from the Buddha, in which he says, why do people continue to carry things into their lives? You take something... And you make what you can of it, thank that, that, that experience, and then move on. He uses the metaphor of a boat. You mm-hmm. don't take a boat, go across the river, and then strap the boat to the back, to your back, and keep walking on terra firma. You know, you use those things and go forward. So I use the influence of the wonderful craftsmanship of gonzo journalism and Hunter S. Thompson to really understand what I was trying to do as a writer. Yeah, ten, it's a, the idea of ten percent is what happens to you, ninety percent is what you do with it. Definitely, kind of resonates there. But it's I always, you know, you had asked me at some point, have you ever thought of writing a book? And I, and I always have, and it's I always have that stereotypical picture of chapter one with nothing under it, just like sitting there trying to think of how to articulate everything, and then just you know the way that that you try to attack it, whether you whether you call it official Gonzo journalism or not, just from your type of point of view, like you said it just now, past tense, present tense, you know, trying to make them feel something and it just it seems like it flows so naturally for you at this point i'm i'm, I'm kind of jealous in a lot of ways but ha- no. you know is that is that how it is at this point no. where you sit down no. and just crank it out no no never uh it's discipline it's hard work it's sometimes you're staring at what you're talking about is blank page fever uh or nowadays flashing cursor fever where you have to fill the pages but everything happens organically and slowly you know you come up with an idea I just came up with an idea that I'm doing for my next book project. And, and you, you, you gather how you could tell the story. Is it a story worthy to be read? Getting back to right to be read. Is this something someone's going to get anything out of and learn? Is it a new take, like with Hey Jude? Is it a new take on the long history of, being, of what people have done to write about the Beatles? And I had a lot of Beatle biographers and authors and um, you know, scholars come in and their voices are in this book. But um, so you do that and then you make notes 
And then you try to convince yourself first, is this good? So you write a treatment or a basic outline. Then you try to convince your publisher if this is something they want to buy and eventually people will read. And that's another level, <laughs> excuse me. And then it's the actual getting down to work. And for me, the rubber hits the road. The greatest joy is the research, the interviews for, for a nonfiction writer and, the, uh, and then putting it into a palatable, readable, fun narrative. And don't ever leave the fun, as Hunter would tell us, out of the work because your reader could tell if you're just droning on or, or just put it, they could tell if you're having a good time, they're going to have a good time. They're going to learn something. If, and the one thing I try to do is I try to be excited about whatever I'm doing. I don't get guys who spend years writing about a subject that, you know, either they're doing it just for the money or the subject they're working with. If they're ghostwriting, I couldn't do it. I mean, God bless them if they can, but I can't, I have to be, because it's so difficult, so isolating. There's so many pratfalls. It's so, you know, challenging. You better love the hell out of it. That's why I say. And so I'm going to drop a couple of little tidbits from reviews that I see out there, but you know, straight up, it says you'll never hear the song the same again. And I, I do, I, I, I believe that coming, coming, coming from you, where you run through this book, and I'll go back and listen to the song a whole bunch of times, and I'm, I'm going to hear an infinite, infinite amount more after, after reading the book and setting the stage for it. That's the hope, Steve. You know, and when I wrote my book about Warren Zevon. You know, that's what I was trying to do. Not a lot of people know how brilliant I think Warren is. And so writing a series of essays about songs to put together a linear story of his life without being a biography, using the essays, using the songs, because the people closest to him told me, James, that his fans know more about him than we do because he put it all in song. You want to know about Warren? You got to go to the songs. So it was really a labor of love for me to go, hey, everybody, I love this music. You know, check it out. You know, see the stories, see what I find exciting. So, yes, I, I think that the best thing to do is to have people listening to the music either for the first time or something people have heard a billion times like Hey Jude and going, I never thought of that. That's the joy. That's the ultimate <laughs> success, I think, of, the, of what I do. Those, those little aha moments make all the difference for yes, sure. Yeah. Well, I know we're going to have plenty to talk about in the next segment as we dive a little bit deeper into the madness that makes up your world. But we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back with James Campion, author of the new book, Take a Sad Song, The Emotional Currency of Hey Jude. Stay with us. Howdy. I am Joseph Franklin McElroy, host of the new podcast, Gateway to the Smokies. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Tuesday night from 6 p.m. to 7. Every episode is dedicated to memorable experiences in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park and surrounding areas. This show features experts and locals who will expound upon the richness of culture, history, and adventure that awaits you in the Smokies. Tune in every Tuesday from 6 p.m. to 7 on talkradio.nyc. Are you passionate about the conversation around racism? Hi, I'm Reverend Dr. TLC, host of the Dismantle Racism Show, which airs every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Join me and my amazing guests as we discuss ways to uncover, dismantle, and eradicate racism. That's Thursdays at 11 o'clock a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a small business trying to navigate the COVID-19 related employment laws? Hello, I'm Eric Sauver, employment law business law attorney and host of the new radio show, Employment Law Today. On my show, we'll have guests to discuss the common employment law challenges business owners are facing during these trying times. Tune in on Tuesday evenings from 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern time on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. Welcome.
Welcome back to Always Friday with me, the birthday boy, Stephen Fry, the SMB guy. We're chatting with James Campion, founder of Vinceri Media and author of the new book, Take a Sad Song, The Emotional Currency of Hey Jude. Some great pearls of wisdom from James Campion thus far. We're going to get a little bit into the madness here, James. You sent me some pictures this morning that look like nothing but fun madness. And you had also referenced uh, the Aquarian being a great supporter and a great networking source for you. And I, I got to drop a quote that I saw re- regarding your, your Deep Tank Jersey book. It says, we, don't, we do not recommend attempting anything written in Deep Tank Jersey, but it sure is a fun read. <laughs> So we we got to hear about the madness. Like you, you talk about, you know, art. I like a good combination of science and art. We talked a little bit about the method. This is the madness, the artistic observational view, stories that you have from the field. You know, it all looks like fun. I'm sure there's been some trials and tribulations too. Tell us a little bit about the madness in your world. Well, there's the poor man's gonzo journalism right there. Um, Actually, I was totally ripping off Kerouac in that book for the first three chapters, and you could see where I started to get my own voice. That's my first published work. And talk about support, once again, the band Dog Voices. They didn't have to let me join them for an entire summer in the Jersey Shore and all around the club, what I call Clubland. My friend Peter Blazovic, who is in all of my music books because he's classically trained, jazz cat, rock and roll guy. He was in a band with me in the 80s. He was in this band called Dog Voices. They all accepted me in as part of the tribe. And I rolled with them for the whole summer of 1995. And this was, this was a heady times. This is when you could do anything in clubs. And I mean anything in clubs. <laughs> and none of it. I mean, that, that's a history book now. I mean, that's like a whole other planet that we were on in 1995. Came out in 96. And again, I uh, had such great support for that. Um, the madness really for me always is, you, you quoted the 90-10% thing. I love that quote. Uh, Mine is Woody Allen's 80% of success is showing up. Right. And that's always worked for me. Uh, Be there. I tell everybody I work with, just if you have to cover an event, be there. And anything that happens, that's your time. It's going to be over. There's a window of opportunity when you are a nonfiction writer or a journalist. And I studied journalism in school. and, and, And it's always just be there and observe and, you know, that that book is a I got a lot of backlash from that's all wheel and people would say well I'm not an angry person or I wasn't that drunk or whatever that but the point is when you're a writer like that in the first person you have a flashlight I, I liken it to putting it in a dark basement and you only see what your flashlight there could be a giant monster behind you but you'll <laughs> never see that you only see what my flashlight and and whether that's fair or not I mean that's not that book is again is is partly a work of journalism but it's also a, a work of observing, throwing yourself, you know, a fish out of water, you know, to, to do it. And I've tried to use the lessons that I learned writing that book in everything that I do, anything I throw myself into, even my only work of fiction, why, uh, which is sort of the tale of my freelance years, uh, blown up in sort of a Alice in Wonderland style. So, um, yeah, uh, the, the madness really is just putting yourself in the middle of something and not being afraid. My family always jokes at me that I tend to be the guy who always gets lost or quote unquote kidnapped or <laughs> quote unquote arrested or whatever it is that I get myself into. Um, I think it, there's a story there. And if I don't go through with it, I feel like I'm kind of missing out on, on life. And life is just a, a reflection of writing and, and, and vice versa. Yeah, when I was do- doing some reading about you, like I was immediately drawn to the the Deep Tank Jersey book. Yeah, it's and the and the review that I saw on it says a first person romp through the subculture of nightlife on the Jersey Shore club circuit with one of its premier bands, Dog Voices, that you talked about. It says it's an inside look at life in the fast lane with hardworking musicians and the twisted people who surround them nightly. Many other top NJ bands, their roadies, groupies, management, and agents are studied. The owners, bouncers, and employees of some of the popular spots. They tell wild and sometimes moving stories of success and failure in a dog eat dog business that changes on the fly. You know, for somebody who does a show like this on a weekly basis and talks with with business owners, there's no more 
changes that that have happened like in the last couple of years <laughs> like it's been you know, the business landscape has changed every other day it seems like and then this also says it's also it's also a story of loneliness and passion in a world where the thrill a minute philosophy can blur lines and create a bizarre reality a strange and terrible place to make a living and you know kind of like the fun madness that can surround your world a lot of people don't see like the the crazy and trying times just like a lot of entrepreneurs and business owners people think it's great to be your own business owner and, and to be an entrepreneur but a lot of times they, they don't see the not being able to sleep at night and worrying about your employees and it's like this it's I, it's an interesting perspective that i feel like is somewhat connected to the business world yeah well done steve and also if i may you know i, I did this series on youtube based on uh, a podcast i did with adam duritz from counting crows for many years called underwater sunshine we had the underwater sunshine fest in new york city and of course the last couple of years with the clubs being closed and everything with covid and you know, people with masks and, 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 and the vaccine, who's vaccinated, who's not vaccinated. There's Adam and I. I love him like a brother. And, um, you know, all, all those things really crushed the music business. These people are all freelancers, too. And not only that, people own clubs, people who are roadies, people who are, you know, bartenders, people, you know, all these things were affected. So I had this show called Sunshine Spotlight where I'd have these musicians on. And we would do, we would talk about how hard it was, how they're getting through this creatively, emotionally, financially. And it was a really rough time. And it's, it's so glorious to see it, it coming out now and people going to see shows. And these friends of mine that I've gotten to know through the podcast and through the festival are getting to back to work again. But yeah, it was a scary time for all of us. And, it, you know, the way that people have navigated through it, it, it makes me proud of the idea that um, it can be done that even in our darkest times, these things do have a, a light at the end of the tunnel. And I, I learned so much from these people, not only, Steve, from their creativity and their, their artistic merit and all those things, but as business people. Uh, you know, I was interviewed by my good friend, Brick Briscoe, has a, a, a song, a PBS show, and he did this thing called Music is Dead, which sounds very nihilistic, I know. but And it was even before how music was sort of dying with Spotify and all these things, hard to make money with um, publishing and everything. But a lot of it had to do with, you know, what happened when they shut down with the pandemic. And he asked a question to everyone. And I was one of the few people who said, he said, is music a commodity? And I said, you're damn right it is. It's a commodity because these people want to work. It, for some reason, somebody woke up somewhere in, uh, after Napster and said, we don't have to pay for music anymore. Nah, well, I, we have to pay for pizza. We have to pay for, if we want cement roll, you know, to, to be put in the, the foundation of our house, we have to pay for our clothes. But music, nah, I want that for nothing. So who gets affected? The songwriters, the musicians. So yeah, maybe things got a little expensive in the 80s and 90s. Maybe a lot, a lot of you know, people like, why am I paying $19 for a CD for one song? But it shifted too much, man. And I believe that, that these people deserve, they're, they're, they're business people just as much as any of your viewers or listeners. Yeah, what one hundred percent? It's I I can't help but think on my birthday here today. I was I turned forty during the pandemic, and everything was pretty much shut down. Couldn't go anywhere. Tickets to concerts that I had were for were for nothing. Couldn't couldn't go anywhere. Everything was canceled. So what did my wife do? She tried to surprise me. I was kind of onto it, but she surprised me by by hiring a, a band, a Grateful Dead and Fish cover band, and having them play in my backyard. That is so cool, man. Hey. Oh. You, you married the right woman. See, always marry up. That's what I always say. Wow, look at that. Classic Aquarian. Wow, going all the way back. Going all the way back. I, could, I couldn't help it because it, it had Jerry on the cover. But, uh, ah, there you go. It's before my time, though, I must say. <laughs> but, but, yeah, it's, you, know, you definitely allude to some of, some of the madness that a lot of the business owners out there have experienced with changing landscape. The, the artists, musicians, like things that are people who are looked at as fame and fortune and everything's comfortable and hunky-dory. They had all kinds of things that they had to navigate, and in some cases might still even be navigating from going back a couple of years ago. Yeah, yeah. I might, you mentioned the Yankees earlier, and I'm not going to say anything about this team because I don't want to jinx it because it's a hell of a ride we're on right now. And I remember 98, which I kept my mouth shut throughout that whole thing, so I'm going to do the same thing because you know I get I'm not superstitious generally, but with the Yankees I am. But I will say this. My favorite sports team of all time is the 78 Yankees. And I always think back to how far – they were out 14 and a half in the middle of July and how damn good that Red Sox team was. And remember that was a Red Sox team that took the mighty Reds to the seventh game in 75 and battled the Yankees to the final week in 77. And the Yankees had already won a championship. So you figure, you know, they're going to be, it's so hard to repeat. It's, you know, and wow, 
I, I mean, I learned so much from that story. In fact, my first book project that never got published, but eventually it w- was published about Roger Kahn, the story, uh, who I was my, a mentor to me, talk about mentors, who I used to be his research assistant uh, back in the 90s. He put out a book called October Man, but I was, I was researching the 78 Yankees and living in that because I wanted to learn, just like with Hey Jude, with a Paul McCartney like, or, or Warren Zevon, how they make this greatness, how the Yankees did that. How did they stay together against all odds? You know, everything that happened to that team to make one of the greatest, if not the greatest comebacks in the history of sport and win the World Series that year. So you can learn from other people's travails. In fact, you absolutely do learn from other people's travails. <laughs> and especially people, yes, absolutely. So uh, it's, been, it's been a rough time, but we made it through, most of us, and we're still trying to make it through. And now we've got this massive economic situation going on right now with, uh, you know, with uh, inflation and soon recession, we hope not too badly, but uh, it's, it's hard for the workforce to come back. But I know history tells us in this country that we could get through that. And we have great examples of that. We have to hang our hat on it. Yeah, absolutely. That walk-off home run last night just like did, did it for me. I was, uh, I was I was screaming at the TV, woke the kids up, all the good stuff. But uh, yeah, I actually started the practice this year of putting my age that I turned that year on the back of my softball jersey so I could actually remember what, what, what year it was. But yeah, Mariano Rivera birthday, whatever. But uh, you know, going back to, to some of the madness in your world, you'd, you'd written the book on Warren Zevon, you'd written a book around Kiss, and now it's like it's not just the artist you know, with, with the Paul McCartney idea here, but going into the the depths of a single song and I, just, I think about how many songs are in the Beatles catalog it's like and how meaningful each one of them can be and the different story and the different impact that all of them make you, do you feel like you could just make a book up of every song in the catalog at this point yeah what, what's uh, one interview said you're going to do why don't we do it in the road which is the whole title of the song and every word in the song um <laughs> no I mean hey Jude uh, and thanks for mentioning that because, you know, I, I, I wrote a book about one album. I wrote a, book, a series of essays about an artist through his songs and now one song. So, again, getting back to pick something you're really passionate about, put 110% into it, whatever, and then, you know, try to convince other people or, or try to share the joy and the passion you have for that subject. But um, Hey Jude means something to me beyond. I think it's one of the greatest songs ever written, period. Not only the greatest Beatles song or best song Paul's written. But it's a song that has so many layers, and I discovered those layers by talking to very, very smart people. And, and also, you know, going back to those seven notes that, that you read, and thank you for doing that, that opened the book, about how I sang that as a kid, as a five-year-old kid, to help me get through a night when I had a nightmare, and it was dark, and we all, we've all been there. And that song means something very, very, very deeply to me. And there's, there's the emo- emotional currency for me. And so I tried to get to the bottom of why do I feel this way about this song? And you could apply a lot of things that we talk about in this book to your favorite song. I wrote a piece, Steve, a couple of years ago about Over the Rainbow, which I think is the greatest song ever written. Yeah. And um, I learned so much about what songs can do for us. I wanted to dedicate an entire book, and I thought Hey Jude was a worthy subject. And I I turned out to be right because everybody came to the table and kicked butt. And I, I think I'm very proud of this work, and I'm very proud of everybody that spoke on behalf of that song for me in the book. It's unbelievable. And I, when I saw the, the, the na, 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 na piece, I was, I, it also made me think of na, 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 Hey, 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 yeah, yeah. goodbye. So again, just how, how you say everything, but on that happy note, we're going to take a quick break. Not goodbye forever. We will be right back with James Campion, author of take a sad song, the emotional currency of Hey Jude. Stay with us. Hey everybody, it's Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector coming at you from my attic. Each week here on talkradio.nyc, I host a program, Philanthropy in Focus. Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on talkradio.nyc. In a post-COVID world, you may have many unanswered questions regarding your health. Are you looking to live a healthier lifestyle? Do you have a desire to learn more about mental health and enhance your quality of life? Or do you just want to participate in self-understanding and awareness? I'm Frank R. Harrison, host of Frank About Health, and each Thursday, I will tackle these questions and work to enlighten you. Tune in every Thursday at 5 p.m. on talkradio.nyc, and I will be Frank About Health to advocate for all of us. all pet lovers pet avengers assemble 
On the Professionals and Animal Lovers show, we believe the bond between animal lovers is incredibly strong. It mirrors that bond between pets and their owners. Through this program, we come together to learn, educate, and advocate. Join us live every Wednesday at 2 p.m. at talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. Welcome back to Always Friday with me, birthday boy, Stephen Fry, your SMB guy. We're chatting with James Campion, founder of Vinceri Media and author of the new book, Take a Sad Song, The Emotional Currency of Hey Jude. We talked about some weird madness. We talked about some fun madness. We talked about the idea that uh, books have been written around particular artists, songwriters, and now one of very few people who's honed in on one particular song and completely picked it apart with the help of all kinds of people giving some perspective and putting it together in one kick-ass story. I, I just like, I, I got to read just a, a little something here because we're in the message part of the show, bring things home here. The whole idea from Weekend Insight to Monday Impact, and we talk about impact. It says right here, the impact of Hey Jude from a song to an event is incalculable. By definition or perhaps default, this milestone in music has come to define the personal and professional attainments one feels, whether it be a comforting lyric in a time of mourning or a place that thousands of artists aspire to reach every time they compose, or even if they just need help going to sleep at night, as James spoke about. James has fashioned a unique testament to the power of one song to countless individuals. So, James, the message part of the show, from Weekend Insight to Monday Impact, we want to give everybody listening out there a couple sound bites that they can remember over the weekend. Again, it's my birthday weekend, so you can rest assured there will be some cocktails, but what should everybody remember so that they can put it into action come Monday morning? Lay it on us. The movement you need is on your shoulder. The most enigmatic <laughs> line in the song, which is discussed ad nauseum in my book, the one that John Lennon loved the most and told Paul, leave it in there, even though it was a placeholder. I think the big thing for me is you can, what Paul is saying in this song is not a grandiose statement. And I love John's grandiose statements like imagine or give peace a chance or all you need is love. But what Paul's saying here is you could do this. Hey, Jude, you'll do. You've got this. And as many people say in my book, this is something that is good to hear anytime. When I wrote this book, it was my quarantine book. I started in April of 2020 and I finished in April of 2021. So we're, we know where we were in those months. So it was a tough time. And the book really inspired me. The song really inspired me. The story, story of, of Paul, uh, who lost his mom when he was 14 and discovered music around the same time and, and wrote beautiful songs right off the bat and met this kid with like-minded dreams uh, and they, they made this thing called the Beatles. They dreamed it and it came, became a reality because they worked their butts off and they did everything they could to be the best band they could be. And then, you know, I believe all of that is in Hey Jude. You know, I, I believe it's the story of the baby boom generation. I think it's the story of John meeting Yoko against all odds and Paul meeting Linda against all odds. And these two men who lost their moms when they were young, marrying these women that would complete them within seven days of each other in 1969. So I think what Hey Jude is telling us is don't, don't, don't give up. Uh, there's always a way to do something. And that movement, which I'm assuming Paul meant, the, you know, ultimately is the head is on your shoulders. So the movement you need is right there. You could figure this out and you could do it. You don't need some fancy aphorism. In all due respect, Steve, you don't even need our advice. You don't need uh, a general, you know, of course you do need friends. And as I started off the show, we need that support, but yeah. it really starts with your accepting this is what I'd like to do and make that step towards fill in the blank. Success, love, uh, joy, follow your bliss, you know, that kind of thing. Joseph Campbell's great uh, quote. So I think if I leave talking to your audience and yourself today, take a sad song and make it better is just that. And when Paul uses a song as a metaphor, he's being as serious as you can be because Paul was saved by song. He is song. He's written more popular songs 
than any human being that has ever been on planet Earth. And he knows what he's doing when he says, take a sad song and make that better. So fill in the blank for you. What is your thing that you want to make better? And, and you could do it. So that's what Hey Jude means to me. And I, I think that's really the underlying theme of my book. I think it's beautiful. And the uh, the sentiments that you had you gotten from good old Hunter Thompson back in the day before he passed away, you know, make people feel something. Don't worry about the grammatics and all that type of jazz. Just make make sure that they're feeling something and that they're engaged. You mentioned love. One of the reviews that on the book came back said it's a love letter to the iconic song we know and love. It takes a deep dive into the pool of its lyrics and the deep meaning. You'll read insightful thoughts from professors, historians, experts, other musicians, and also obviously from you yourself. A song within a song, a story within a story. You'll listen and understand the song in a different way, and it's better, better, better. Mm-hmm. Like the, the, what, what other impact did you want to leave with everybody? It yeah, kind of nice. says it all. Yeah, I don't know how the hell I wrote that, but it's really good. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, that, that's very nice. I did, I did not want to leave talking to you, Steve, especially since this is really like about small businesses and everything like that without mentioning um, the good people at Roman and Littlefield and my, my the subsidiary, my publisher, Backbeat Books. Uh, they were such a great support system. John Cirillo, who, who bought my last three books, who who ushered me through this thing. Uh, and there were tough times, you know, getting the lyric rights, uh, you know, getting photograph rights, getting, you know, uh, quotation rights, dealing with Apple uh, and helping with the, the formatting and all my great editors, uh, just, just a wonderful group of people who really, really did help me. So I wanted to get that in. Uh, that, that, that leads me to be able to write the way I do and to get response for that. And as we said earlier, that's what your goal is, at least my goal is yeah. to get a response like that, uh, any kind of response, even sometimes a negative one. If it moves someone to actually sit down and go, this guy is crazy, they took the time to read it, and <laughs> nah, that's fine with me. But uh, yeah, uh, that's very nice to hear. Thank you for reading it. Um, it was a lot of fun to be in the Paul McCartney shadow for as long as I had been and learn so much about him, uh, a man who has achieved so much and is still a joyous soul, a really good guy who comes across as someone who really cares. I, somebody recently wrote this about him. I think it was Pete Townsend. And he said, when I went in a room with John Lennon, and not, nothing against the late, great John Lennon, but he was like, it was about John. John was doing the John thing. Right. But when I sat with Paul, he was like talking to me as if he cared about me and he put me on his level. And I'm like, what the hell? I'm talking to a beetle here. Uh, that's nice. And it's a good lesson to learn for those of us who are at the top of the mountain, whatever it is that you do. Uh, there's always someone there that could use a little helping hand, a little advice. And, and that's kind of what the impetus of Hey Jude was too, right? To go out and comfort the son of his best friend and songwriting partner, John Lennon, to make him, say, to, to, to make him feel like less alone because his dad was leaving for another woman and his, his family was breaking up. That's just a sweet story yeah. that, that I love to tell. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but I read somewhere that, you know, although, you know, Paul McCartney's still still doing his thing out there, you didn't you didn't necessarily speak to him about about any of this. So that he wasn't one of the folks that you had talked to and gotten his take on it. Would you love to hear what he has to say now, now that the book's out and you can yes. read it, get his commentary on yes, it? Yes, of course. Yes. I would have loved to talk to Paul McCartney. A, a, a fellow author just te- emailed me this morning, in fact, and said that, uh, you know, what did you, you know, did you reach out to? I said, no, first of all, he's Paul McCartney. So that's a tough get. I don't want it to hold it. It's one year I had to write the book, but it's really not about, I mean, obviously it is about Paul, but it was about a dissection, a deconstruction and an understanding of song, any song written by any other songwriter. Uh, of course you want Paul, but then Paul would be the story. Oh, let's get this book. Paul talked to James, you know, and, and as much as, yeah, I'd love to sell more books and everything, but that when you go into a project, you have to keep this is the, the thesis. This is the theme. And the theme was to find out how the song affects us. Paul wrote it and he put it in the song. And I'm assuming that's what he was feeling at the time. And we all deconstruct. Yeah, there's many things I would love to ask Paul about the song. And of course, I would absolutely love for Paul to read the book and love the book and talk to me about Hey Jude and other things. But I do really do believe this. And this is not just me sort of backtracking and saying, well, I can't get Paul McCartney. So I'm going to write this kind of book. I did try to write a book about how songs affect us, the listeners. Whether you are a professor, a songwriter from different genders or different generations, 
or scholars and writers who spent time, years and years, and thousands and thousands of words writing about this phenomenon called the Beatles, what Hey Jude had done and how it worked. And I think I got to the bottom of it. That's awesome, man. I can't thank you enough for joining me here today, James. On my birthday, talking about your work, your world, your latest book, great stuff. Thank you so much, man. Steven, I thank you. You're a great guy. We just met, and I feel like I've known you forever. So go Yankees. Happy birthday to <laughs> you and, um, and all your listeners out there. This is a great show. Keep listening because Steve knows what he's doing. Appreciate that very much. Before I let you go, I'm going to share my uh, my answers to the questions real quick. Your favorite movie or TV show character? So movie, TV, and play. You said Oscar Madison from The Odd Couple. Yes. So talking about two mismatched roommates, neat and tidy Felix Unger, Unger and the slovenly, easygoing Oscar Madison. So hit <laughs> home with me nicely. I love it. You said your favorite movie. You said best movie of all time. You said the, gra- the Graduate. Yes, sir. It's real hard to hear that for me and not think about the car and think about Simon Garfunkel, obviously. I know you're a music guy. But. Oh, yes, of course. And by the way, Mrs. Robinson beat out Hey Jude for the Grammy in 1969. How about that? <laughs> How about that? And the aquarium was started in 1969. Yeah, it was. Yeah, All kinds of common themes in your world. You also dropped The Simpsons, which I, I'm, a, I'm a huge Simpsons fan. Like huge. You had actually alluded to the first seven years of, of the show being like Mark Twain, which I thought was great. Yeah, yeah it's, it's the greatest thing television ever offered to us. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, the musical instrument and the artist you like to hear play it. I kept thinking of Paul McCartney the whole time, but you had mentioned the drums and Clyde Stubblefield, the drummer who was working with James Brown, self-taught musician, influenced by the sound of the national rhythms, the natural rhythms around him, whose recordings, they're considered to be some of the standards in the funk world, which is awesome. Yeah, the most, uh, the most um, copied or uh, what do they call that thing when they take something I totally left my mind but in, in all rap songs especially and everything that sampled is the word I was looking for there uh, and one of the great me the greatest drummer of all time awesome James thank you so much again jamescampion.com he's all over the place look him up out there coming up next week we're going to talk with Michael Verrett from Verrett and Associates we're going to dive deep into how to talk about your business sharpening your message so you reach the right people imagine that a focus on people first until then thank you for joining us on always Friday we hope you gain some weekend insight to make a Monday impact have a great weekend we'll see you next week 11 a.m. Eastern time Friday right after Tommy D on philanthropy and focus on here on talkradio.myc Thank you, James. Bye-bye, everybody. business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy, and I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you on edge? Hey, we live in challenging, edgy times, so let's lean in. I'm Sandra Bargeman, the host of The Edge of Every Day, which airs each Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. Tune in live with me and my friends and colleagues as we share stories and perspectives about pushing boundaries and exploring our rough edges. That's The Edge of Every Day on Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. all pet lovers pet avengers assemble on the professionals and animal lovers show we believe the bond between animal lovers is incredibly strong it mirrors that bond between pets and their owners through this program we come together to learn educate and advocate join us live every wednesday at 2 p.m at talkradio.nyc In a post-COVID world, you may have many unanswered questions regarding your health. Are you looking to live a healthier lifestyle? 
Do you have a desire to learn more about mental health and enhance your quality of life? Or do you just want to participate in self-understanding and awareness? I'm Frank R. Harrison, host of Frank About Health, and each Thursday, I will tackle these questions and work to enlighten you. Tune in every Thursday at 5 p.m. on talkradio.nyc, and I will be frank about health to advocate for all of us. Gateway to the Smokies. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Tuesday night from 6 p.m. to 7. Every episode is dedicated to memorable experiences in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park and surrounding areas. This show features experts and locals who will expound upon the richness of culture, history, and adventure that awaits you in the Smokies. Tune in every Tuesday from 6 p.m. to 7 on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. 